Remember when Jesus, was, the night before, well, just a little while before he was crucified, he spoke about him leaving and the Holy Ghost coming. Anybody remember that? Yep. And he told them, he said, this is going to be good for you. <laughs> and no one there said amen to that because they couldn't see how him leaving was going to be good for them. But he said, uh, he said this is going to be good. He said, because when I leave, I'm going to send another one just like me. Yep. You know, if I ask you for $5 and you gave me $5 and I gave you another one back, it wouldn't be the same $5 bill, would it? But it would be one of the same value, could do the same thing that the one that, that we exchanged. So Jesus said, when I go, he's going to come. And when he comes, he's going to be doing what I'm doing, except it's going to be better because he's going to not be among you. He's going to be in you. The advantage is, you know, Jesus had an earthly body, or the disadvantage is he had an earthly body, so he was just like we are. He could be at one place at one time. If he was speaking with, with, uh, with Sam, he couldn't be speaking to George. And so this way he can speak to Sam and George and Carol and Bob and whoever all at the same time. How does he do that? I don't know. We'll fast. We got all eternity to ask how stuff like that happens. He says, when he's come, he said, when he's come, he gives us some things that, that uh, will be at our advantage. He said, when the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into not half truth, but how much, how much truth. He'll not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. How many of you think the Holy Spirit knows things to come? That almost sounds like vision, doesn't it? Vision speaks of that which is and that which shall be. So you could say it this way. When he comes, the spirit of truth or the spirit of reality, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak his own message. He'll only speak that's what he hears, Jesus said. And he'll show you vision to come. And in this vision, he'll glorify me and he shall receive this vision of me and he'll show this vision unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, he shall take a mind and shall show it unto you. He talks about a little bit, the Amplified messages, or the Amplified says, he says, but I'm telling you the truth, but when the truth has come, when the Holy Spirit comes, which is the Spirit of truth, it will be profitable. I mean, like profit. Which means good and expedient and advantageous for you. So it's going to be, he said, when he comes, it's going to be advantageous or this going to be to your advantage. In other words, here's something that works to your advantage. He said, he will be your counselor. He will be your helper. Everyone ever needed some help doing something? He's going to be your counselor and your helper, your advocate, your intercessor. He's going to be your strengthener. He's the one who's going to strengthen you. See, someone says, well, I just don't have no strength. He's your what? Call on the strengthener. And he is your standby. He will come to you and he will be in close fellowship with you. Huh. Now, uh, Mark Hank has always said it this way. Something to this effect. He said the Holy, Holy Spirit is a genius. How many can agree with that? He says so when he, when he speaks to you, whatever he says is absolutely genius. Even if it sounds simple, it's still genius. Because he knows all things. True? He says, so if you, if you follow a genius, a genius can, <laughs> can reach the highest places. So he said, he's a genius, and if you follow him, you'll, you'll look genius. He said, if you don't follow him, you'll, oh, well, maybe not so genius. So we, we have an opportunity to follow him. Okay? Uh, we were talking a little bit last week about vision. And we'll continue to do so. And uh, I, I was reading a statistic that I thought was uh, interesting. And it changes some every year. And it said, uh, this is just in the U.S. only. Uh, they have some type of website that you can go to and you can put in your name or maybe your social security. I don't know what it is. Because sometimes people have left things it could have been an insurance, could have been a trust, it could be whatever it was. It's, it's, just, it's just unclaimed uh, resources and finances and money. Okay, you with me? And it says, uh, it says in the U.S., there is uh, uh, last year a little over $400 billion in unclaimed money in the U.S. $400 billion. Does anyone know approximately what the population of well, let me just tell you, the, the population of the U.S. approximately is a little over 325 million. 
there's 400 billion unclaimed. <clears throat> now, if I was a good liberal <laughs> and had a calculator, <laughs> we would divide this wealth. <laughs> How many of you see that everybody in the United States, man, woman, boy, and child, could be a billionaire today if they would divide 400 billion among 325 million? I'm not the sharpest, you know, knife in the drawer, but I, 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 that's a great day. <laughs> it went on to say uh, some 80% of Americans have unclaimed money. And uh, so I'm not going to tell you how to do that, but I, but, you, but I imagine there'll be some Googling going on after church. <laughs> but eight out of ten people have, they say, citizens of the United States have something that's unclaimed that someone left to you that they didn't tell you or maybe however it worked out and you, they, there's a way to go in there and find all that out. So if you're, if you're going there and you find out you got a couple billion dollars, remember I told you about this. <laughs> I know you're a tither, but remember I told you about this. <laughs> okay? Y'all with me so far? You say, what are you trying to say? I don't know how to make it any plainer. I think the promises of God is a lot like that. That we have this uh, great inheritance that Barbara was talking about. We have this tremendous uh, covenant that God has made with Jesus. He, he didn't make it with us because he always made covenant with men, but men would always mess it up. So he made one with Jesus, and it was made for us, but it wasn't made to us. It was made through Jesus. And Jesus is the mediator. He's the go-between man and God. And so all you have to do is get in on it, understand your covenant, understand what belongs to you, and receive something by faith. It's not going to come any other way. It's going to come by faith. And it's going to come by laying hold of something. So just like there's $400 billion plus dollars in the U.S. just waiting to be claimed, um, there's these untold uh, manifold promises of God that belongs to the believer. Uh, very few people I, I, has ever reached the, even a fraction of the potential of, I think, what God has for every person upon the earth. It's, it was said of Israel when God gave the perimeters in Joshua chapter 1, when he told Joshua, and he said, it'd be from this seacoast to this place to this place to this place. Geographically, he gave them the land which was their inheritance. Uh, someone did the figure on that and said Israel at that time never ever received over 10% of what God said belonged to them. How much of what Jesus has done have we received? How much, the Bible says, of his fullness, not half fullness, of his fullness you are to receive. Now, I, I, I'm giving you scripture so you'll have to if you go by experience, you can, you can just throw that off and say, yeah, well, whatever, this is a sermon. But I didn't come to bring you a sermon. I came to bring you the Word of God. Amen. A minister of the gospel should, should leave his ideas somewhere else. Or if he's going to give you one, he should insert and say, this is a me idea. But I'm, I'm talking about the integrity of the Word of the living God. Of His fullness, you are to receive. And so... Uh, there's the, this blessing and fulfillment that we are called the heir of God. Romans 8 said, not only are you an heir, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Uh, a joint heir on earth could be a, a husband and wife married who has a joint checking account. Of course, most men never saw one of the checks, but, but they know they're supposed to have one. But anyway, and, uh, but we are joint heirs with Jesus. How many believe it's, it's time to receive our inheritance. Yeah. Huh? Now, I'm not preaching a sermon, Emma. I'm preaching the Word of God. Can you, can you believe the Word of God? Yeah. Can you believe the Word of God? Romans 11 says, He that cometh to God, he must believe that he is. That's not up for debate. God says, if you're going to come to me, you must believe that I am, and you must believe that I reward those who come to me in faith. Can you do that part? So we're talking about the fulfillment right here. And uh, there are 7 to 8 billion people on this earth right now. That's a lot of people. Half or more 
are not saved. Half or more have not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. If Jesus were Christ were to come today like most of the church wants him to, so they can get out of here, so they won't have to do what they need to do next week, you know, <clears throat> we, we, we got this rapture mentality. Get out, get out, get out. Well, I'm telling you, you might be here for a while. And you may not. I, don't, I really don't know. And if you, you say, well, I know, you don't know. The, the scripture says Jesus don't know. So if Jesus don't know, I'm kind of sure you don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll talk about it later on, but I'm kind of glad Jesus does not know the day or the exact hour. I don't think the Holy Spirit told you. Can I make that any plainer? So we should, we should live like he's coming at any moment. We, we should plan like he's not going to come for thousands of years. See what I'm saying? And so our, our, our mindset should be not, not getting out of here or escaping this world. Our mindset should be on the harvest that is before us. Jesus said to his disciples in the book of John, he said, don't say that there's four months and then there'll be a harvest. He said, the harvest is now. He says, if you look on the fields, you'll see that the fields are already white. They're ready to be harvested. So in other words, he's trying to turn their, their eyes off uh, things that they can't see, that they're not seeing, and put them on that which is right before them. I'm telling you, you have a harvest that's right before you. You have increase and it's all around you. But we have to, we have to engage into our spiritual seeing and, and, and not so much to the natural seeing that we do. You know, vision, natural vision is, is the eyesight through the pupils. But revelation comes by eyesight of the spiritual and of the supernatural. And it's in each and every one of us. We just have to tap into it. So God wants to increase us and give us a larger vision and a larger capacity. Now, I'm going to say some things this morning, and, don't, and, 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 uh, and I hope you're listening by faith, and I hope that you're on board. But it's going to, uh, we're, we're going to be doing some things uh, this year. Everybody say this year. Things that we've never done before. Maybe we should have done them 10 years ago. I don't know, but we're going, to do them. we're going to do them now. Usually the hardest place to make a change is the place where you or for a pastor is where he's been the longest. Sometimes where they get the most changes to be, and that's why major denominations, they move pastors around because his voice or her voice becomes too familiar. <laughs> and they'll take them out of one pulpit and put them in another because there's a natural thing called familiarity, and I hate it. That's right. I hate familiarity. Because you say, well, we know them in Jesus, we know, and they you know, used to make co uh, you know, coffee tables and nightstands, whatever, and who does he think he is? Well, it's, it, who, who he think he is, uh, for me, I think I am who God made me. Oh, amen. amen. And so, <clears throat> I, you know, sometimes I'm a little slow. Some people are a little fast. Some people are so fast they run ahead of God. Well, <laughs> you don't go so fast that you outrun him, Okay. And, uh, but don't be so far behind that, you know, that you're, uh, you're, you, you got yesterday's, yesterday's, yesterday's news. In other words, one guy told me, I asked him where he lived. He said, if I told you, you wouldn't know. He said, we are just now having the weather y'all had last month. And I said, well, that's out there, man. <laughs> so, you know, Jerry Savelle, I always liked that story. He's talking about, you know, he's flying, he's going from this zone to that zone and, you know, he's, he's changing, you know, just by flying in a jet. You know, he goes to this country and comes back to this country, and it was on a Tuesday. And it was between Monday and Tuesday, depending on where he was at. So he was talking to his wife, and she said, well, how's everything going? She says, she says uh, I believe you'll have a good day. He said, I'm already having a good day. So for her, it was Monday, and for him, it was Tuesday. He said, you'll love Tuesday when you have it, because it's, it's a great day. He got through that meeting and, ran back and, and went right back into Monday. He said, I went from Monday to Tuesday and Tuesday to Monday, back and forth. So uh, we, we all have reasons and we all have a story, okay? We all have reasons and we all have a story. And you, your, your story, uh, may, your story uh, is different than anybody else's story. It's unique. We all have reasons why we can't. Is that, is, is that not so? We all have things that try to restrain us. We all have things that have kept us only going so far. When I got out of high school, I worked for a, 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 a construction company. I was, um, I was 18, and I worked in a grocery store for the last two, three years and, uh, in Clanton and um, sat groceries. And back in the days, it was really good. You sat groceries and, and go out there and make tips. And uh, I always liked to make the tips. 
because that was my uh, that was my my date night for Saturday night. I mean, that's when you know Saturday night you could take a girl out and go to Big Jack, and it was really a Big Jack. Big Jack from 1980 to, to Big Jack now has changed. You, you ever saw that old show, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? They shrunk that hamburger. So now they got this one at, at, at McDonald's called the, we was reading it yesterday, they got a, a Baby Mac, a Junior Mac, thank you. You, you've, you know this, this menu, I see. He knows the Junior Mac, and then you kind of got like the, the, the Big Daddy Mac. That, that's like the dad, then you got the Grand Mac. Right? Well, the, the Big Jack used to be like the granddaddy back at McDonald's. But, honey, they have shrunk the beef. Where's the beef, right? And uh, so we all have these reasons. And life is, when you let it, can kind of just suck the oxygen out. Some of you have had a blow. Some of you have had a setback. Some of you had, you know, life has happened. And that's always going to be the way that it is. And I just want to encourage you this morning that there's still more. You see, I've heard that before. Well, you're going to hear it again. And then you're going to hear it again. And you're going to hear it again. See, God's not looking for special, unique people that, that, uh, that are flawless because there's not any of us. Everyone here has been flawed. Every one of us here has, we're, we're like a car that's been on the road for a few years. Every one of us has some scratches. Every one of us has some dings. Some of us have had to go to the body shop of God, and some of us are carrying some Bondo. Some of us have some aftermarket parts. <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're not original. Some of you had your heart broken. <laughs> you feel like your brain taken in and out and squeezed and put through a juicer. <laughs> some of you didn't know it could get so bad. But I'm just telling you, all I want to tell you is, you're still here. You are still here. Do you know how many people didn't make it? Did you know that in America alone, there's a thousand more churches that close its doors every month? Twelve thousand churches says there's no need to go on. And you're still here. Homes quit. Families quit. Businesses quit. Everybody quits. I found out that it's real easy to start something. You know, you, you can go to business and you can go online and you can print you some business cards and say, I'm in business. So it's real, it's real easy just to start a business, but keep it going for 20 years. It's real easy to go to the altar and say, I do. When we're both, you know, real young and we don't know, come on from Sikkim and all we are, we're hotter than a chili pepper. But all we can say is, yeah, I know that. That's right. And this, uh, but, but after every wedding comes a marriage. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so it's real easy to start, but finishing is the trick, yep. right? So every time we said, I do, sometimes we didn't, or they didn't. And uh, so, you know, I, I want to build a dream in you and get a larger vision in you. When I worked at Daniel's Construction, uh, I was basically a general flunky. I went there because I, I was out of school, and I, I'm like any 18-year-old, I wanted to make more money. I had plenty of strength in my body. I had some muscle on me. I was a lean, mean, well, kind of like now. And, uh, well, a little smaller version. Now, when I got married, I was in a 28 waist. That's what my neck is today. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that is. But I was, I was in a 28, 29 waist. <clears throat> I was in love, and I didn't have time to eat. I was living off love. And, and I still am, but I also eat. <laughs> Amen. And uh, these carpenters, they was building onto a, pa a paper mill or a wood mill there. No, paper mill. And uh, so there was a lot of concrete being formed. And so they would have to, they would build these forms. They'd take two uh, one-by-fours or two-by-sixes. And, you know, according to what they were building, that, that would be the shape. If you was going to pour concrete, a patio, or a sidewalk, whatever, and then that's what you'd do. You'd have to flatten the place, you know, and, and get it ready and for, the, for the concrete. If it's going to be three or four inches thick, determine its dimensions, right? Then build a form around it, bring the concrete in, smooth it out, so you got a pad, right? So, <clears throat> but have you ever noticed that if you were to build a six-by-eight concrete and then you filled that form the next morning it wasn't 11 by 14? No, it, it, it pretty much is whatever you formed it. Whatever you imagined it would be or wanted it to be, you determined the dimensions of, what, of how much concrete was going to go in there. 
our life's a lot like that. We have, we have boiled it in and to determine how much of this we want to experience. And we, we, we built a frame whether we realized or not. And we determined the, the, the very dimensions and God being who he is, uh, you know, he, he just fills that up. But increase is still on the horizon. Expansion is still for today. So we have to receive a, a larger capacity. And we get our capacity by seeing the plan for your life. We see the capacity by seeing the nature of our God. And so God's not looking for someone special. He's looking for someone available. He's not looking for someone qualified. He will qualify you. Amen. So he, he, he's looking for someone who says, I, I will, I can, in your strength, in your ability, I'll go in your name. Now, so we have all these excuses. But there's been people in our lifetime and before our lifetime who has bro who's broken all odds. And they had a different mindset. I, I, I was reading about some of them just this week. Here's, here's some people that you may have heard of that went to school and dropped out of out of college, and because college was teaching them how to have a good education. And so they went there, but they had a bigger idea than their professor. And their, their school, and much of, much, much of these people that I'm gonna give you the list, they went to Harvard. And so their, their, uh, the faculty and their professors said, you don't need to drop out. I mean, this is not a time for you to drop out, this is a time to get more education. Uh, one person, uh, you might have heard of him, his name is Michael Dell. You know who Michael Dell is? He founded the Dell Corporation. He knew something about computers. He went to Harvard, I think it was, and, and he left there at age 19 because he had some other ideas. There was another guy by the name of Steve Jobs. Have you ever heard of Steve Jobs? He's the Apple founder, not Apple the fruit, Apple, you know what I'm saying. He dropped out also at the age of 19. He had some other ideas. Here's one that you're very familiar with, expect through politics this last year. You ever heard of Julian Assange? <laughs> WikiLeaks founder, you ever heard of WikiLeaks? The Democrats have. He also dropped out of college at age 19. Then there's a man by the name of Evan Williams. He is the co-founder of Twitter. He stayed in school a little bit longer to continue his education. He left at age 20. And then, we, then you have Mark, is it Zuckerberg or Zuckerberg? He is the founder of Facebook. Anybody know what that is? Yes, that's your other life, right? Or maybe it's your life. He dropped out at the age of 20. Now, once again, I always say it again. Everyone should have a Facebook account. Everyone in the world needs to have a Facebook account. This is your face and this is your book and put it in. Okay. So, you're, but he, 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 left, he left school at age 20. And then there's a guy who founded the Oracle Corporation. His name's Larry Ellison. He left school at age 20. And then there's, a, uh, there's a, another one called, uh, her name's Jan Coram, I think it is. And, and this call, she, she uh, came up with the WhatsApp forever. And she left school at 21. And then there's, a, there's someone by the name, but there's several of them here, but here's one that you might know of. Uh, his name is Bill Gates. He's the most famous dropout at Harvard. And they said, you, you, you really need to stay in school. You're not ready. You need to continue your education. You, you, you don't have the wherewithal to go do what you want to do. And he disagreed with them, and he dropped out of Harvard at age 19. They said he took three of his geek friends with him to his garage, and, they, and there in their garage they developed the Microsoft Corporation. That is, that is the most famous dropout of Harvard. You ever heard of him? And uh, so, he, so he's the most famous. And he just began to say, I, 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 I'm not going to take no for an answer or that I can't. So I would say, why don't you not consider dropping out of the I can't school? Amen. Are y'all here? Yeah. Uh, in the message translations, in the message translations, and you don't have to turn there, 2 Corinthians 6 says it this way, the message. Paul said, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter the wide open spacious life. Why, he didn't fence you in. He said, the smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living your life in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively 
And don't partner anyone with anyone. Don't partner with anyone who rejects God. Hmm? So he said, you can live your life more openly. More, you can expand your life. And you do that by expanding your thinking. We, uh, we enjoyed, uh, I think everyone here did Wednesday night, we, we, we watched uh, about 30-something minutes of a, a, a pastor that, that, uh, who has built, and he's, he's retired now to the full-time pastor. He's still in the ministry. I think he's about 81, two years of age. But Dr. Cho in South Korea, he's that guy that built a little church of a million people. You ever heard of him? Yeah, it's just, and, 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 he, and he started off, he said, with five person. And, uh, and on the video, we just kind of laughed because he said, in the beginning of my ministry, he said, I prayed five hours a day. And they said, were well, you so spiritual? He said, oh, no, I, had, I have nothing to do. So I don't know if he prayed one hour per person. I don't know what it is. But God gave him, uh, God gave him a vision and God gave him a dream. And he began to see these things on the inside. That's how it works for you and I. You know, if you ever read Genesis chapter 1, and know that you have about the beginning of creation, we know, we know that God spoke this world into existence, didn't he? We know that God saw what he wanted, and he began to imagine it, and then he took the power of his words and he spoke into existence. I think ten times, only in chapter 1, did it say that God said, and God said, and God said. In other words, whatever he wanted, whatever he desired, whatever he imagined, whatever he dreamed about, God said with words that which he imagined. That's how it functions for today because Genesis 1 said, you and I were created in the image of God and in his likeness. Likeness means that we function like him. It doesn't mean that we wear the same shirt or that we do our hair the same way. It means that we, that we function in life as a spirit being because he's spirit. He created us a spirit being. So we're to function as a spirit just like him. That means we function just like God. So he, God would imagine, he would say, he would see, and then he would speak it out. Dr. Cho did the same thing. God taught him how to see and imagine the very thing that God had for him until he could see it, and then he would pray that vision out. So he took him through different stages of, uh, you know, from five people up to a million, and there was over a period of, of a number of years. And uh, no one had ever done this. No one believed it could be done. No one has ever done it since then. But the principle is what we wanted to look at the other night. When you look up the word imagination, it simply means the ability to imagine things or the ability to form a picture in your mind or something that you have not seen or experienced as of yet. The ability to think of new things that only exist or happen right now in your mind. That's imagination. You know, you, you know who does not have to be taught about imagination? That's small children. Small children have some amazing imaginations, don't they? I mean, they can come up with some stuff that's just, I mean, what kids, can, what kids can come up with just to get them to go to sleep at night. They see things in the room that you know aren't there. They're trying to stay up. They're trying to, you know, and they're like, they're seeing this, and some, they're seeing that, and they hear this, and there's something under their bed, and, you know, there's all this stuff. And they think they're a camel, and they're thirsting to death, and they need about 700 gallons of water before they can go to sleep. Or, you know, they, they just come up with stuff after stuff after stuff. And then they have all these shows for, for small children. I don't know if it's still long. We used to watch one when Lexi was little called Imagination Movers. And she didn't need no one to move hers because she, it was moving quite well. But she liked the movement and she'd watch the show and it was just amazing to her. And so we all were like that as young people. We, we all had these active imaginations. But as the older we got, the more intelligent that we got, the more experienced in life we got, what we lost some is our imagination. You say, well, how do we lose it? We went to school and someone taught us how life is. Right. But God wants to reactivate your imagination. He wants to take you back to a younger day in your mind. When I left 19, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just knew that I was sacking groceries at that time in 1970, 70, 1980. That's when I graduated. Yes, I'm 37. And so uh, in 1980, I, I left high school and I was, I think minimum wage was three something an hour. That was okay for that time, but the, all I could think about is more increase. So uh, I heard they were hiring at the construction company, went down there, and uh, had some family that was working there, got me a job, and I went from 335 one day to 650. 
An hour. I'm talking about an hour. You think, well, that's not much money. Well, I tell you, minimum wage is not much more than that right now. Right? So I was in tall cotton in 1980. I mean, I was making almost $7 an hour. Yeah, imagine that. But it was almost double than what I had been making. And so uh, uh, they said, um, well, I'll tell you what, if you'll, instead of being a general laborer who picks up stuff and junk and throws away old boards away and burns them, you can become a carpenter's helper. And I, and I started that, and then I found out, and the carpenter found out, I'm not going to be much help. <laughs> so, so I became a professional tool checker router. <laughs> he would say, I need this, and I would need that. Of course, my first day, and they always do this, they had a lot of fun with me. And they had me checking out tools that, that uh, I found out did not exist. I was going to go for tools, you know, that stretch boards, and I was going for all kind of stuff. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it just uh, it wasn't funny. And it was funny to them. They, they had a good time laughing at my expense. <clears throat> so I found out really quick, and they found out really quick, he, he does not have much ability in that area. So I did. I became the tool checker outer. And, uh, but, but I knew there was more. And so that, that job was about to come to an end, and they said, well, if you want to move with the company, we're going to South Carolina. And I knew I couldn't get there on $6 an hour. But I, I just had this big dream and this big idea. And, uh, you know, when you're young, you only see it for what it is. And, you know, and, and I wasn't really following the things of God at that time, although I grew up in a Christian home. And, uh, and I wanted to go to heaven one day. But, you know, when you're 18 years old, you're indispensable, and you're going to live at least 14 lifetimes. You know, past a cat. And so all I could see was what I could see. And, uh, and I was willing to do the work. Just give me a vehicle, give me a way to achieve it, and I'll do it. Is that like anybody in here? And uh, so we have this, we, we would make these forms, and once again, pour the concrete into it, and it would look just like that. So God just wants to increase our capacity to receive something more than what we're, what we're seeing. You know, here's something that we all have within us. We all have something called potential. Amen. Now, your potential came from God, didn't it? Yeah. You know, if, when you buy a car, you buy a vehicle, you buy a, a motorbike, whatever it is, it's supposed to come with a, an owner's manual. An owner's manual is supposed to tell you everything about that vehicle. If you, if you buy a car from Toyota, then you, you, know, you look at that thing and it says, well, this is how you do this, and if it needs, if it needs to be fixed, you go there and tell it. It's supposed to get, cover every part of that logistics of that car inside and out. Well, you, you've been made with a manual, and God knows your function and what it looks like on the inside and what it looks like on the outside. God knows how to operate this thing in you called life. And it's giving you this thing called potential. Potential is, 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 is said to be dormant ability. Your potential is the, not your known ability, but your potential is something that's in you that has been untapped. It is some strength or imagination, a goal or vision that has not been utilized yet. In other words, it looks and is, at this moment, hidden, untapped. It is capability like reserved power. Back in the days I used to have, a, in, in the 1970s, uh, I had a brother who went into the Navy, and I took his car. And it was a 1973 Grand Prix. I love that car. But I guess because it had a 400 four-barrel, just stock engine. And uh, I, I found out, someone told me, if you take the little breather and you turn it over, you can get a thrusty sound to it. And I had to know. And it did. And uh, it had a lot of weight on the front end and very little weight in the back end. So you could put that car in reverse with that weight on it and hit that 404 barrel, and you could take a brand new set of tires down there in three minutes. Now, there would be some smoke and all that. You say, why would you do that? Because I was young and stupid. <laughs> but I enjoyed that car. It's just the grace of God I'm alive even here talking about it. <laughs> Everything and everyone in this room, you've been created with potential. Say with that, potential. <laughs> so once again, it's not what you've done. It's not what you might do. It's what you're able to do. It's, it's, it's just there. It hasn't been tapped yet. And so God wants, to, wants us to see in ourselves the potential that he put there, that is there, it's just to the side. It's like that, and that, four, that 404 barrel, you know, you could just be going along, well, you're not in four barrel, but you begin to go up an incline, 
and need a little bit more ump to get up the hill, you could just kind of give it a little more acceleration and the other two barrels would kick in. And man, you're talking about what a difference. But some people just can't see those things. Some people have a, have you ever noticed that some people just have a negative mindset to life? I mean, just, it just seems to be their psychological makeup. That Everything to them is why things just don't work. And so I, I was reading this story. It was about two farmers. And so there was two farmers. There was a positive farmer and a negative farmer. And it says whenever it would rain, the, the positive farmer would say, thank goodness for the rain. He said, now we don't have to water our crops. The negative farmer would say, if it keeps this up, it's going to rot the very roots and we won't have any crops to harvest. The sun would come out and the positive farmer would say, well, thank goodness for the sunshine. Now the crops are going to get the vitamins and minerals that they really need to grow. The negative farmer would say, if this keeps up, it'll scorch them and we won't even be able to make a living. One day, this says they were hunting together. And the positive farmer brought along his new bird dog. The positive farmer has a, has a new bird dog. And they were out in the middle of a lake in a boat and the positive farmer took aim and he shot a bird. He then turned to the negative farmer and said, hey, buddy, watch this. He says, the bird dog jumped out of the boat and miraculously ran on top of the water. So we know he's Pentecostal, right? <laughs> he picked up the bird, turned around and ran back to the top of, on the top of the water back to the boat. The positive farmer <laughs> looked at the negative farmer and asked, so what do you think about that? The negative farmer shook his head and said, just as I thought, another dog that can't swim. <laughs> how he lived life. Another dog that can't swim. We talked about last week about the ability to live big in a small place. I was looking at this week, I don't know when we think about it, but I was, I was talking with Pastor Billings over in Tuscaloosa. That's God's city over there, you understand? Amen, amen. And uh, he, he reminded me of how, how he and I met in 1996 in Louisiana. I, I, I didn't remember it was there. And we was at a, uh, a church that had just been opened uh, by Dr. Leroy Thompson. Anyone ever heard of Leroy Thompson? Yeah. And uh, we, we went to the church because Brother Hagin had come there and he was doing Holy Ghost meetings. And it was kind of an open-end meeting. It could last five days, but, you know, it, it could go further. And so that's the place that he and I met. And uh, he's in a town uh, called Darrow, D-A-R-R-O-W. That's not how he, Brother Thompson pronounces it, but, but he, it's Darrow, Louisiana. Darrow, Louisiana is a population of about 2,100 people in his city. In other words, his town is about 500 less people than Jemison. His, his church attendance uh, back 15 years ago on a Sunday morning is 1,600 people. And uh, what surprised us is we're, you know, this is before the smartphone and trying to go there. We're just following MapQuest, you know, trying to turn the page over and get the next place to go to. Y'all remember way back then? Yeah, so, you know, people call it the good old days, but I, I like the better new days sometimes. I, I remember before disposable diapers. You could still, but anyway, moving right along. And so we were, uh, we were, uh, we were going to the church and following the directions to uh, Dr. Thompson's church. And uh, matter of fact, uh, you, you can look it up on Google. You put Leroy Thompson's church, you know how it gives you a picture, then you can, you can uh, pan it over there. And his church is on an old county road. And, you know, if you've got a good enough computer and screen, you can see the, 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 the two-lane highway needs resurfacing. The highway in front of our church has just been resurfaced. Uh, spent about a million dollars doing this. This is a super highway compared to the highway in front of his church. And so his church is way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, he, he, is, uh, he built his church in a sugarcane field. Just pasture on this side and pasture on that side. And on the way to his church, you'll just see old silos and cattle and 
and everything. And then you'll go over a railroad track and around the curve, and all of a sudden you'll, you'll look, and there, here's this huge church out in the middle of nowhere. Has anyone ever been there? You've been there, about Levi? And so, so you know what I'm talking about. I believe it has a balcony and all this kind of stuff. And you think, how in the world, why in the world would you build a ministry like this out in the middle of nowhere? And so it's, uh, it's, just, it's just amazing to see what God can do. So people, they come every week and they drive, some of them drive an hour and a half every Sunday to church. Imagine that. And so they come because they, they're excited about the Word of God that they're hearing and they're receiving. So God's doing a big work, but He's doing it out of a small place. There's nothing wrong with a small place, but we, we just got to make sure that small thinking doesn't, doesn't uh, inhibit our life to where we, we can only things and see things small as they were. God likes to use small places. And one, one reason why, because when God does a big work in a small place, He gets all the glory. Because, I mean, logistically, can you really see a, a church of 1,600 people out of a population of 2,150-something people? Logistically, it doesn't make any sense, does it? And so people will have to come, and they have to drive miles every week just to become a part of that church and congregation. Many people uh, end up moving uh, to that city or close enough there because God connects them to the church. So that's kind of a small. And uh, so God has some, I think, big things for you. And when I say that is because sometimes what we do is we just kind of settle for life, and God doesn't want you to settle. He wants you to, he wants you to see things bigger. And he wants you to experience bigger. And he wants you to believe him for bigger. How many, how many here have, have a dream or goal in your life that you haven't realized yet? That's most of us, right? And some things that for it to happen, it, I mean, it, it kind of, it would, it would stretch you. In other words, you don't even know how it, how it could come to pass, but you have a vision of it, of it coming to pass. A better day than what you're living right now. You know, God, God created this whole universe. We think about our plan, our idea, our vision, our dream. But God created this entire universe with a plan. And His dream's bigger than ours. Sometimes we might even have the thought. Maybe you haven't had the thought. I, I, I wonder if I could pay off my house. Instead of doing a 30-year plan, instead of renting for the rest of my life, I wonder if I could have a house and I wonder if I could just pay the house off. Well, I, I want to tell you it's, it, it, it's more than possible. But, but God would even like to interject another thought to you. That is pay off somebody else's house. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Billings was telling me last year that he got a phone call from someone out of state and a business person called and, uh, that he knew. And they said, we want to ask you a very personal question, but we wouldn't ask you if, we, if, if it wasn't something that we not, not want to get involved in. He said, what's that? They said, do you have a mortgage on, on your church in Tuscaloosa? He said, yeah, I very much do. They said, well, would you give us the amount? We want to pay it off. He said, well, yeah, but it's, yeah, but it's, it's not. No, he says... Well, he said, all I can tell you is God told me to pay it off, so I'm assuming God knows how much it is. And he knows he was talking to me. And uh, I think it was somewhere in the mid 400,000s. He said, I will have a check to your bank within 48 hours. That's a great day. That, to me, that's a great day. Now, he, now, he's not in that building. He's leased it out to another church. But it's leased for a few thousand dollars a month, actually more than just a few. And it's all income to the church. Isn't that great? Amen. How many of y'all can live with something like that? Amen. And so uh, <clears throat> um, that, that changed everything. So within 48 hours, we had lots of debt. 48 hours later, we have no debt. So not only can God pay off your house, he could have someone else, or he could have you come to the place to where now you can pay off somebody's mortgage. Wouldn't that be fun? Amen. I mean, wouldn't that really be fun? Just, just to pay off someone's mortgage or just go to the church and say, Pastor, are you tired of making payments? Yeah, well, let's just stop all that. That's just a bunch of mess. That ain't God's best. How much is it? Right? And so uh, we could be that person. In other words, I think sometimes what we do is we think too small. We think ordinary and God thinks extraordinary. In the book of Acts, in the book of Habakkuk, and really Acts is just reiterating what, what, what was said to Habakkuk. He said, I, I'm going to do a work. And I'm going to do it in your day. And the work that I'm going to do in your day, he said, if, if I gave you clear details of what I'm going to do in your day and how I'm going to use you, you would hardly be able to believe me. I say i got some work to do in this place. So we think a lot of times ordinary and God thinks super ordinary. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I would ask him to do, or I would even think that he could do, according to the power that is right now working within us. So you have a power working within you. It's the potential. It's inherent. You have it, it hasn't been tapped yet. You haven't seen all that there is. He said it's on the inside. But how many of you know that one touch of favor, just, just, just one touch of favor can do more in your life and go further than you've, than you've gone in the last 10 years? Thank God for faith. But something that can trump that is just one day of favor. In other words, you're saying, well, I believe I receive. But when, when God puts favor upon you and the supernatural favor of God, God brought the Israelites out by favor. And he says, when you come out, I'm bringing you out of bondage. He says, we're going to take all the past due wages of 400 years. And the scripture says that, he, that Moses and the Israelites stripped the Egyptians of 400 years of back wages. Can you imagine slaves stripping or, or, or the slaves stripping the Egyptians and say, that party dress that my master was wearing and his wife and the jewelry, uh, pack it up. It's going. And the jewels. And I mean, I mean, they're taking out of the wilderness. I don't know what they're going to do with it. But he said, this is our wages. And they took it with them. One, one day of favor, one moment of favor can change your life forever. So we should be happy for where we are. We should be happy for where God brought us to. But you shouldn't stay there and be satisfied. Don't be satisfied with where you are. No matter how big your thinking is today, it's not enough. God wants us to look to the north and to the south and to the east and the west. And he wants to see the harvest field that's around us that's wide and ready to harvest. He wants us to, to see us be able to reach out to people who don't know him, who doesn't know his word, doesn't know how good that he is. And he wants to use you as a voice to reach those people. He wants you to tell a story that has not yet been told to them. He wants to, for you to tell the good news of who he is and of his grace and of his mercy and his kindness. And he wants to use you to do it. I always say it this way, God's greatest victories, they're, art, they're, all, they're in the future. They're not in the past. Maybe you had a wonderful past, but it's time to take a blast from the past and come into the glorious future. Someone says, well, I'm, I'm enjoying the glory of God. Don't enjoy this glory because there's a greater glory coming in this glory. I thank God for people like Smith Wigglesworth. I thank people for him like Catherine Kuhlman, Amy Simple McPherson, and John G. Lakes. I thank God for the Oral Roberts and the Kenneth Hagin of the world. But their time has come and their time is gone. Now this is our time. This is our day. This is our generation. What are we going to do in our time? We can read the stories of gone, gone by and we can say that wasn't that a great day. But how about our time? How about our day? I tell you what, I believe God wants to make a mark in your life. And while you're here, make a mark. Now, you understand that every time you make a mark, Satan always comes around with some erasers. People, people who do math, they try to subtract out of your life. They try to divide you up. You know, they, they try to take away from you. But God is in the multiplication business. God is adding and God is multiplying. Joseph had a dream, and that dream uh, caused him to be persecuted. Joseph found himself in, in, in a hole. He found himself in a, in a pit. And so they came along and they took him to Egypt and they made him an inmate, made him a slave. And why is he there? It's because he had a dream. He had a vision. But that wasn't the end of the story. And we know that Joseph, uh, you know, had this idea, if I can just get out of this pit, you know, if I can just get sprung from the big house. God said, that dream is way too small, Joseph. I got a bigger dream. I don't want you to just get out of the pit. He said, I want to make you a ruler over a nation. A ruler over a nation. So Joseph, I'm sure, began to look and see and began to look at the stars and see and begin to increase and expand and expand his mind. We all could settle for things. Well, there's some things that come into your life. The Bible talks about there's a good, there's a perfect, and there's an acceptable will of God. Or we can just say, you know, well, I, I'm lonely, and, and I, I want to I meet someone, and I want to have a relationship, and I, I want to get married. Well, that's a perfectly wonderful goal. But I'm just going to tell you, don't, don't settle for someone who breathes. Don't settle for someone who breathes, not in marriage. I always said if you're going to make a wrong mistake, get it wrong at McDonald's or Burger King. Or try this combo. Try that one. Don't, you don't have to be number four again. But don't try him if, if he's number four. Get that one right. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. And so 
you don't have to settle. You can, you, you, God has the perfect person for your life that complements your life and the call that He has on your life. I, I was reading about the Israelites when they were slaves. And then they were commanded to, to increase their amount of bricks that they were made. And then they told them that they would have to now uh, gather their own straw as a punishment. So they said, the, the amount of bricks is going to be multiplied. And on, but on top of that, you're going to have to do your own gather straw. And sometimes we, we just see all the work. We, 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 we just see all that, the, the demand that's upon our life. And we just see, and, and so we just try to gear up for that. And we become a better slave. We, we just become a better employee. And God wants to rid us of that kind of thinking. You know, there's nothing wrong with working for someone. That's, that's very noble. Most people do. But some people have an idea of owning their own business. They have a dream of working for themselves. Anytime that you're hired by a company, you're always bought at wholesale. You have to be because they have to sell you and your work and your, or your service at a retail value. And I'm telling you, we, we, we've been wholesaled enough. It's time to get the retail out of God's vision and get the retail out of God's vision in your life and the hope and the dream. So it's not just enough, you know, to say, you know, I, I just want a roof over my head and a square meal to eat. See, that's not reaching to the harvest. That's not, that's not getting over into someone else's life. That's not increases God's season. God needs you to have more than enough so it spills out into other people's life. Say increase. So I've said this, you're destined to leave a mark on this generation, and God has a big life. Say big life. Has a big life for you. He doesn't want you to be a better employee or, or a better slave. He wants you to be set free. Free from depression. Free from lack. Free from not enough. He doesn't want you to have a mentality, well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to deal with this situation in my body. I'm trying to deal with this sickness, and I'm trying to deal with my disease. Well, first off, quit claiming it. It's not your sickness, and it's not your disease. It's not your inheritance. It's not your covenant. It's not your cheese. Oh, I'm sorry, that's another story. And so, it's, but it's not that. That's not who you are. So we need to let it go. Someone say with me, God has more. And he wants to take it to a new level. Can you, can you see that? So sometimes we just need to change our perspective because our perspective is wrong. We see things because of what's in front of us, and we begin to accept that. I was, read this story a number of years ago, and uh, it said there was two salesmen, two shoe salesmen. And they were sent out to a, a remote island to a third world country, and said they, they both went out on a ship. And one, one got there, he went his way, and he was looking around. And he said all the locals, he noticed that none of the locals, none of the people wore shoes. And here he is you know, to represent the shoe company. And so they're, they're putting, uh, they're putting uh, uh, loads and loads of different sizes and styles of of uh, shoes on this, on this ship to ship it to where he's going. And he gets there and he sees a whole island of people knowing where shoes. And he runs back, he runs to the office, he gets to a telephone, he try, and he calls the company and he says, he says, oh no, it's a, it's a terrible mistake. I should not have come. We, we're, we're, we're in a place and location. Let no one wear shoes. Tell them to cancel the order, get the ship back in. And because I'm taking the first flight out. Well, on the same ship was another company. It was his competition, and he went there, and he landed, and he began to see these same people, and they had all the same situation. No one has shoes. And so he ran to the office, and he said, he called his boss, and he says, it's better than we thought. I've got here. No one has any shoes. The market's wide open. Double the order. No, cancel that. Triple the order. No, cancel that. Quadruple the order. The potential is unlimited. Perspective. Perspective. 